Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. shares a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Sometimes Jesus' ways don't make sense. That may be what you're thinking as you listen to Pastor J.D. today. Pastor J.D. will describe a time in biblical history where a relative of Jesus himself didn't understand the circumstances he was in and even began to doubt the Savior. Jesus hadn't changed, though, and the greater mission of his life was still unfolding. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on April 21st, 2019. And the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and were told that they were alarmed. But, verse 6, He said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified? (laughs) He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go. Tell his disciples and Peter. I've always wondered about that. It's kind of like saying, gentlemen, oh, and JD. Really? Wasn't Peter one of his disciples? No, there's a reason for that, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Go tell his disciples, and Peter, like this, make sure to tell Peter especially. You know why, right? That he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So, verse 8, they went out quickly and fled from the tomb. This is interesting. Listen to this. For they trembled and were amazed. That word amazed, I think, could be better understood as bewildered and baffled. 
I mean, they are just perplexed. And they said nothing to anyone, and were told why. For they were afraid, full of fear. Now, verse 9, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. Are you noticing just the powerful emotions that they were experiencing throughout all of this? And, verse 11, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, that is, Mary Magdalene, they did not believe. Hmm. Apparently Mary Magdalene believed. The disciples didn't believe? No. After that, verse 12, He appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven, speaking of the disciples, absent Judas, who of course had betrayed Jesus, and then hung himself prior to this. So he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So every year for Resurrection Sunday, I spend time seeking the Lord concerning what He would have me to talk about. And this last week He showed me something that I had never really seen before. I mean, I I knew about it, I had certainly read about it, but I never really fully grasped this before in all of its intensity and enormity. What the Lord really showed me is just how terrifying and unsettling the crucifixion was, certainly to the disciples of Jesus and those who were followers of Jesus. As I revisited the gospel accounts of the crucifixion and resurrection, I was struck by the detail describing these overpowering emotions that they had experienced during the crucifixion and even the the resurrection, I mean, Jesus had told them about this, but this was unbelievable. This was not possible. What was happening 
was happening. And they didn't understand it. And they couldn't wrap their minds around it. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 4 and 5, listen to this. It wasn't just the disciples and the followers of Jesus. It was those close in proximity to Jesus, namely the guards, who were told, shook for fear of Him and became like dead men. Think about that. Have you ever been so fearful, so full of fear, that you actually physically shook and froze, immovable, in fear? That's what happened to them. We're also told, verse 5, But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. Why would the angel say that to the women if they weren't afraid? They were very afraid. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. John's Gospel, the 20th chapter, verse 9. We're told that they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They just could not comprehend it. They could not fathom it. They could not grasp it. It's Luke's account in chapter 24, verse 11, that I want to draw your attention to. Very interesting. We're told that they did not believe the women, and here's why. Because their words seemed to them like nonsense, nonsensical. This doesn't make any sense. This is not reasonable. It makes absolutely no sense. And it's evidenced by their fear, bewilderment, disbelief, and dare I say, even confusion. Would you agree that they are all very confused? What's going on here? What's happening here? It seems that they were all emotionally devastated. I mean, their world has shattered. The bottom has fallen out from underneath them. And I would venture to say that they could not understand why it is that Jesus had to be crucified in the first place. Wasn't supposed to happen this way, but it did. I think of Peter, or should I say, and Peter, <laughs> when Jesus, there at Caesarea Philippi, is telling them that he's going to go to his death, 
be handed over to the Son of Man, to man, and to be crucified, that it must be. And Peter's reaction was such that that's not going to happen. Over my dead body. No, Peter, actually it's over my dead and resurrected body, but it has to happen. Jesus was pretty strong with Peter. I think he had to be. Never imagine Jesus being angry or having a harsh tone. But he says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Satan had filled his heart. You have to understand that Satan knows that Jesus, if he goes to the cross, it's finished. He's done. This might come as some surprise to some, but Satan knows the scriptures better than you and I ever could. But it wasn't supposed to happen this way. But it did. And now, in their unbelief, they're unable to accept it let alone believe it. To me, this explains why the disciples end up hiding in fear after the crucifixion. And it also explains why it is that Peter denied Jesus prior to the crucifixion. I think it would be fair to say that their whole world has come crashing down. And they're completely given over to despair. You know what's sad? Many a Christian today will start to doubt in the Lord, turn away from the Lord, at their time of greatest need for the Lord, all because they don't understand the whys and the ways of God. Can I say it this way? To them, God's ways made no sense at all. Have you ever had those times in your Christian life? where whatever it is that God is doing, it, it doesn't make any sense. And doubt starts to set in. Fear with it. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most stunning examples of this, and you wouldn't think that it would be from this man of God, I'm speaking of John the Baptist. I was thinking about this this last week. How that John and Jesus would have grown up together. Those early childhood years. I know for some, talking about Jesus as a toddler jams your gears, <laughs> kind of crashes your hard drive. 
We don't think of Jesus that way, do we? But He was that way. He grew up with John the Baptist, as we affectionately refer to him. I would suggest that they were very close friends growing up all of their lives. Now, at this time, they're in their early 30s. They're close, obviously, in age. And where's John? Oh, he's sitting in prison. Herod put him there because John dared to speak truth to power. Some believe that John has been sitting in that prison for over one year, and he's confused. Certainly he thought to himself, wait, as soon as Jesus hears that I'm in prison, he'll figure out a way to get me out. But he doesn't. John doesn't know what's going on. This doesn't make any sense. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, beginning in verse 2, John is doubting so much that now he's not even sure if Jesus is the Messiah. John the Baptist! We're talking about a man who, when he baptized Jesus, saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him as a dove and heard the audible voice as did everyone there that day. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. This after John protested, I'm not going to baptize you. You baptize me. I'm not even worthy to tie your sandals. I know who you are. I grew up with you. You're the Messiah. I was reading in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. <laughs> really interesting. So Elizabeth, this is John's mom, who had been barren for many years, conceives John the Baptist. Her cousin, much younger, Mary, conceives by the Holy Spirit, the Savior of the world. And she travels. She ends up spending three months with Elizabeth, but she travels to her and shares with her. And as she approaches her, we're told that John kicked in the womb. Oh my goodness. You remember that, Mom? Dad? Oh, how I loved it when my wife would say, he kicked, <laughs> put my hand on her tummy and wait for the next kick. And But we're told that he kicked in Elizabeth's womb and her heart leaped for joy. And get this, she was filled with the Holy Spirit at that time. Fast forward some 30 plus years, 
And John, for the life of him, is hurt. He can't imagine. Why hasn't Jesus figured out some way to release me from this prison? So verse 2, we're told, when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, which tells me that for a period of time during the public ministry of Jesus, John was incarcerated. He was unable to witness all that was happening. So he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? I don't understand. I... The answer that Jesus gives to them to take back to John is astonishing. Listen to what he says. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Go tell them that. And one more thing. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What? Does that mean that John was offended? John was hurt by Jesus because Jesus did not do what he had hoped and even expected that he would do? Lest we be too hard on John, I think we would all do well to consider our own propensity to start doubting, become fearful, when the Lord hasn't done what we had expected Him to do. Take heart. John isn't alone in this. He's in very good company. Many like him had a crisis of faith during those times of great doubt and fear. And again, Never imagine the Lord condemning. He's always comforting and encouraging to those who cower and falter. I think of something that Oswald Chambers once said, that God never faults a man, a woman, for despair. He knows our frame. He knows we are but dust. We are weak. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. Are you ready? If not, you need to be ready because our redemption draws nigh. This is what Jesus said about seeing these prophecies begin to come to pass in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. This verse speaks directly to the heart of the prophecy update that Pastor J.D. shares each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth. 
The goal for each prophecy update is twofold. First, to equip you with information you need to live in these exciting last days. Second, to encourage you in your faith in the Creator of the universe. Every word in the Holy Bible is 100% true. We're seeing that fact being proven each and every day. We pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by today's prophecy update. And we do hope you join us again for tomorrow's conclusion to this prophecy update from Pastor J.D. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, you can become a Facebook friend with us by logging on to www.inspiritandtruthradio.com. We've provided a link to our Facebook page. Another great option to stay current with Pastor J.D.'s Prophecy Updates is to subscribe to the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update YouTube channel. The Prophecy Update YouTube channel has all the current updates that Pastor J.D. has shared as well as an archive of past updates. Again, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and follow the link to the Prophecy Update YouTube channel. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Please join us tomorrow as Pastor J.D. concludes this prophecy update. That's next time on In Spirit and Truth.